The Old Testament lesson this morning from the lectionary comes from Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8. I invite you now to listen for the word of the Lord. Happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Happy are those who keep his decrees, who seek him with their whole hearts, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous ordinances. I will observe your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, may the peace of the Lord be with you today and always. Amen. Amen. It is an honor to be here with you to worship the Lord and to have the opportunity to fellowship with one another. I bring greetings on behalf of the Board of Trustees, faculty, students, administrative staff of Columbia Theological Seminary. It is truly uh, such a, a delight to have begun today's worship experience at the 8.30 worship and the Sunday studies. I am grateful for uh, the pastoral leadership of Pastor Brian and Pastor Lauren and Pastor Dana, um, and as well the choir and session to give this servant the opportunity to occupy the pulpit in today's worship experience. I'm also grateful for Pastor Lauren who asked a question about um, how many have read the Bible and are reading the Bible. Um, we will send you an application to um, some of our degree programs at Columbia Seminary. Friends, allow me to, uh, at this moment, uh, read the word according to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 21 to 26. 21 to 26. Hear the word of the Lord. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, and then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, 
you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Friends, as I was taking note of the lectionary text for today and realizing and reading it over and over again, I wondered why this was the text that I was to bring uh, my first day and my visit here. But there's a reason and there's a purpose for it. The older I get, the more aware I am of the choices I have made and the consequences of those choices, not only for me, but for others. Some were the right choices, others were not. Sometimes I was sure about the choice I was making, other times I was not at all sure. Some choices I would make again, others I would not. I have spent a lifetime choosing, and so have you. Regardless of what I think about or how I evaluate my past choices, I know this. A lifetime of choosing has shaped who I am and what my life is about. A lifetime of choosing has determined the relationships I have and and the quality of those relationships. A lifetime of choosing has influenced the way I see and engage the world. For better or worse, my life and world have been built around the choices I have made. I am not saying that other people or circumstances do not affect or play a part in our choosing. They do. I just do not think we can blame our circumstances or others for our choices. Neither can we escape or avoid choosing within every set of circumstances, good or bad or neutral, there is always a choice to be made. Every day we choose between life and death. Every day we are choosing our way into one or the other. We all have, friends, our reasons for the choices we make. Sometimes our choices are about gaining approval and acceptance, wanting to fit in and be liked. Sometimes our choices arise from a desire to be loved and accepted. We choose based upon the costs, benefits, and risks associated with our choices. Sometimes we've chosen to give up and other times to muscle our way through. I suspect we've all made choices that we thought would make us successful, wealthy, and popular. We've probably made choices that we hoped would create the persona and identity we wanted. Sometimes we choose power, control, dominance, popularity. Often our choices are about self-protection or making ourselves feel better and happy. And sometimes they have been about making another feel bad, an attempt to get back at him or her. Have you ever chosen yes when you really meant no? I suspect we all have. 
Why do we do that? What was behind that choice? There are thousands of reasons for the choices we make. Most of us, I am guessing, look back on our choices as having been either right or wrong. They were good choices or they were bad choices. But what if there's another way of looking at it? What if it's not really about good or bad, right or wrong? Here's why I ask that. Have you ever gotten exactly what you choose only to realize it was not what you really wanted? Have you ever made a choice that you knew was the right choice, a good choice, but it left you feeling empty as if something was missing? Despite getting what you wanted, what you chose, your life was not enriched, made full and vibrant the way you thought it would be. Instead, it felt diminished and impoverished. There is really only one choice to be made, friends, and it is the choice between life and death. Sure, we make lots of choi other choices, but in the end, the only choice that really matters is the one between life and death. It is both the, the ultimate choice and the ultimate criteria for making all other choices. After all, what good does it to us to gain the whole world, to be given exactly what we chose, only to lose our life? Is what we choose to think, say, or do life-giving? Does it sustain, nurture, and grow life for ourselves or another? Or does it destroy, diminish, and deny life? Does it leave us bereft of life? Does it impoverish life for ourselves or another? We make the choice between life and death in so many ways every day of our lives, friends. We make, we make that choice in the ways that we choose to see and look at ourselves and others. It's in our thoughts, it's in the words we speak, as well as the lie, as the things that we have done and left undone. So what if we intentionally chose life in every decision we made? What if choosing life was the center of our thoughts, the words that we speak, and the things we do? How might that change your life, your relationships, our world? I think that's what Jesus is getting at today, in today's gospel found in Matthew 5. Jesus knows that life isn't to be codified, and that choices are more than a cost-benefit analysis, more than getting what we desire, and more than simply following the rules. Now, I am not suggesting that we throw out the rules as if they don't matter. Jesus did not do that. Rather, he fulfilled the law. He recognized and revealed the law to be about life. Let the church say amen. Hmm. Friends, I believe in the fact that the church is called, that even those that are in the pew are to proclaim the word. Let the church say amen. amen. Praise God. The law, friends, was never intended 
to divide people into categories of good and bad, right or wrong, law-abider or law-breaker. It was to point the way to life. That's what Jesus does. That's why he could say that he came not to destroy, but fulfill the law. Jesus did not come to make us good, but to make us alive. Hallelujah. He set us free to make choices that support, sustain, grow, and nurture life for ourselves and one another. What if we took to heart the choice between life and death? It means we would have to look at the law and our lives differently. Keeping the law would not be the ultimate goal. Rather, it would, it would be a means to life. It means, friends, that the choices we make would begin not with the circumstances around us, but with the circumstances within us. When Jesus says in today's gospel, you have heard that it was said, then he follows, but I say to you, he is asking us to look within ourselves, to look at the circumstances within us. He is moving our vision inward. Because as human beings, our tendency is to always look at our surrounding circumstances and blame those circumstances for our plight. You all hear what I'm saying? Jesus' invitation today is for us to look inward, to examine our lives. This inward looking is not an escape or an avoidance of the world around us. It's the recognition that the choices we make, the words we speak, and the actions we take in the world around us first begin and arise from the world within us. It's not enough, Jesus says to simply restrain from murdering someone. We will be just as liable to judgment if we are angry with a brother or sister. Jesus wants transformation of our hearts more than mere compliance with the law. It is the transformed heart that begins to change our life and our relationships. Every year, the FBI publishes the murder rate in America. We all want the murder rate to go down. But what would it look like if the anger rate in our actions went down? If the anger rate in our words went down? What if the anger rate in our thoughts went down? What would it be like if the fear the fear rate went down? What if the grudge and the resentment rates went down? What, how how, how may, may this, might it change our lives, our relationships, the world in these rates went down? That's what Jesus is after. Choosing life begins with looking inside. So what do you see when you look within? What anger, friends, is there? What fear, what resentments, what anxiety, what prejudices, what grudges, what do you see happening within you and how it has affected your relationships? How has it influenced the words you've spoken? How has it affected the words you've spoken to and the actions you've taken towards another? 
In what ways has it determined how you view yourself, your self-talk, and the actions you've taken against yourself? What if before we ever spoke a word, we asked ourselves if the words we chose to speak were life-giving? How might it change our life and relationships if before we acted, we asked ourselves whether our chosen actions would grow and sustain life? What if every time we asked ourselves these questions and the answer was no, we chose again, we made another choice, a choice for life? I think most of the time we know the difference. We know when we've chosen life. And we know when we've chosen death. We can feel the difference. Every time we make a judgment of someone else, we've chosen death. When we speak or act based on anger, we've chosen death. When we betray ourselves, we've chosen death. When, when we promote or are indifferent to injustice, we have chosen death. When, when we isolate and live in fear, we've chosen death. We also know what it's like to choose life. We come to the altar rail and hold out our hands to receive the body of Christ. We are choosing life. We choose life every time we, we offer forgiveness and work on our relationships. We choose life when, when we care for the poor and strive for justice and respect the dignity of every human being. Let the church say amen. We choose life when beauty is our worldview. We choose life when we are generous with our time, compassion, resources. We choose life when we ask for help, when we choose to love by speaking and advocating for others who are voiceless and invisible. We do not judge, for that is the way of death. We choose life when we speak and act for the building up of the whole. Despite our best intentions for choosing life, I know, friends, that there are times when we settle for less than the life God dreams for us. Even here, we have a choice. If we choose to beat ourselves up for making a bad choice, a wrong choice, we are choosing death. There is, however, a simple antidote, a corrective to the times we have chosen death Friends, and this is the good news of the gospel today. Choose again. Choose again. Stop beating yourselves up. We live another day of life because God has given us another opportunity to choose again. To experience God's benevolent grace. There is good news and bad news about the choices we make. The good news is that we will be given what we choose, and the bad news is that we will be given what we choose. So friends, in the name that is above all names and truly worthy to be praised, the one who said, I am the way and the truth and the life, the one who proclaimed that I am the open door and the good shepherd, 
the one who is the lily of the valleys, the one who says, I am the great I am. Choose life. Choose life often. And if you need to, choose again. In the name of the Creator, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.